Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. I want us to go to the first great revival of the Christian church that's found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Amen. It's hot up here, y'all. I hope you got a good look at the jacket because it's gone now. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Amen. Now, on the birthday of the church, we find God moving in a remarkable way among his people. It was something new. It was something unprecedented. It was something powerful. And the miracles that had been performed while Jesus walked on the earth were now continuing to spread among God's people as the church was established and as the church began to grow and as the Spirit of God began to just spread throughout the region. Amen. It is no different today. The Bible says that in the days since Pentecost, God has repeatedly moved among his people. Amen. Every time we get together, you and I, we can sense his presence. Amen. And by the way, I'm just going to say it. If you go to church and you can't feel God, you're in the wrong place. Amen. You need to be in a place where you can feel and sense and experience the presence of God. And every time we get together, we can sense his presence. And he does things among us and for his people. But hear me, there are also special times of visitation. Times that we get to experience that are not like the normal, regular visitations that we have from the Lord. There are special seasons or times of great blessing to both the church and to the community that we experience. And they're outside of what we would call our normal experiences, right? They're outside of the normal Sunday experience. We often refer to these special seasons as revival. Amen. In the early centuries of Christian history, moving from the days of the day of Pentecost, God began to accomplish similar works all around the world. Seasons of revival, seasons of an amplified move of his presence among his people. Revivals such as through Gregory the Illuminator who resulted in the conversion of Armenia, through Frumentius in Ethiopia, through Patrick in Ireland, through Columba as he preached the gospel to the Scottish people, through Methodius and his ministry among the Slavic people. God was pouring out his spirit all over the world. In later centuries, reformers with more common names that some of you might recognize, such as Wycliffe and Knox, they saw similar supernatural manifestations of God among his people. During the 18th and 19th centuries, especially many communities and many churches and many religious groups began to experience what was then a fresh outpouring of the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Preachers and evangelists such as David Bernard and uh, Brainerd and Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley and Charles Finney and Jeremiah Lamphere and Dwight Moody, they became well known for their powerful ministry in these seasons of revival. And God began to pour out his spirit among all different religious groups. Now, while those men's names were well known, there were also countless others and countless churches that were not so well known except to God. And God began to pour out his, his spirit and there were significant revivals to churches and communities. And here we are in 2024, we are living and basking in the aftermath of some of these mighty moves of God. 
For example, the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles that went from 1906 to 1915. The Welsh Revivals in Wales of 1906 and 1907. The Korean Pentecost. If you want to study something powerful, go study the Korean Pentecost of 1907. The Manchurian Revival in China of 1908. The Asbury Revival of 1970. And then all of us have heard last year the, the Asbury outpouring that we saw happen on the college. And the mighty move of God and how his wind swept in. And a revival of repentance among college age young people. And then people from all over the world came in. These great revivals sent ripples throughout the world and they changed us forever and oftentimes in many ways that we cannot see or that we cannot even appreciate until a later time. There are many other notable seasons of revival that I can mention. But I want to remind us that it is critically important to invite and petition God to meet with you in a special way when these winds of refreshing begin to blow. It's important to recognize that these are not just any old time. It's important to recognize when God is working in a special way among us. And we should always come to church with an expectation for him to do something mighty among his people and in our community. Yes. Pastor, what is a revival? You really don't hear the term a lot today. It's kind of become a little bit antiquated. But it's still real and fresh and alive today. What is a revival? So many definitions exist, but a good way to describe it would be a revival is an extraordinary work of God in which Christians repent of their sins. Christians. A revival is a time when we become intensely aware of the presence and the moving of God. A revival is a time when we respond at a higher level of renewed obedience to the known will of God in our lives. A revival is a work of God in which people take their next steps. People get their hearts renewed. Some people repent of their sins, maybe for the very first time, and confess and invite the Lord into their life as their Savior. A revival is a time where repented people will find God in a deeper way through the waters of baptism. And the revival is a time when people can be filled or renewed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. You see, a revival is a sovereign work of God. It is a spiritual awakening that takes us from where we are to where we can be. I'm glad to tell you, a revival is making alive again that which has become dead. A revival is making hot again that which has become cold. A revival is making passionate again that which has become routine. A revival is something that everybody needs a revival in their soul. Hallelujah. Now, we have made room in our calendars for God to meet with us. Amen. Today, the last two Sundays, the next two Sundays. We have recognized the shift in expectation and anticipation among God's people. We have already seen him do mighty works of baptism and salvation and people being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've gotten phone calls this week from people who were healed and had a mighty touch of God. Sunday afternoon, I got a verified miracle and I don't have permission. I didn't ask for permission to share it, so I won't. But God did a miraculous uh, thing for a family that is connected to this church. Amen. Today I spoke with someone in the 9 o'clock service who got some cancer screenings done and they got a report, a good report from the doctor on Friday. Come on, God is at work. God is at work. Elmer Towns wrote a book called Rivers of Revival. And in that book, he described what he called the nine faces of revival. He compared it to how, and it's a good analogy, I think, to how all of us have some, we all of us have some similar, some basic facial features, right? Yet among each of us, we have, we have specific facial features that define who we are. And our faces might be a little bit arranged differently. Somebody might have a bigger nose or bigger eyes or, or wider uh, chin or different sizes. Things that make us unique. My daughter, Lauren, and her son, her uh, husband, Evan, they just four months ago, they had their first child. And when I look at Eliana, some days I can see Evan's face. 
Some days when I look at her, I see Lauren's face. Some days when I look at her, I'm like, she's a perfect blend of the two of them. And this little baby has her own unique features that come to her from the two that helped create her. Amen. And when Elmer Towns wrote this book and he called the nine faces of revival, he said, every revival has some basic features. Yet among all of these revivals, there are unique things that cause them to stand out from others. In a similar way, these essential features, they all reflect the presence and the power of God. Yet, they have different faces. And here's how he described those nine faces. Are you ready? He said there is the repentance revival, which emphasizes a moral cleansing of us as individuals and our society as a whole, a revival of repentance. He said there's an evangelism revival that focuses on winning souls to the lost, uh, to Christ, souls that are lost to Christ. There's a worship revival that centers on magnifying God. There's a deeper life revival that emphasizes the experience of God's indwelling presence. There's spiritual warfare revivals that focus our energies on battling Satan and other demonic forces. There's a Holy Spirit revival that's characterized by extensive manifestations of the power and presence of God. There's reconciliation revivals that lead to the removal of barriers to racial and ethnic harmony, amen, in the church and in the body of Christ and in our country, amen. There's liberation revivals focused on gaining freedom from our corporate or our personal bondage to sin. And then he said there's prayer revivals that are focused on increased efforts at interceding and other forms of prayer. He said that any revival can manifest, manifest several of these characteristics, but most revivals tend to display one trait more prominently than the others. You see, just like the face of a child often reflects the blending of the faces of their parents or maybe even their grandparents, amen? So the face of a particular revival can reflect a blending of more than one type of revival that God sends to a church or a community for the season that they are in. See, but here's one thing that I know, and you can do your research, you can go back and look, you can check, you can look at all the great revivals that have swept our world. Every great awakening in the history of the church came as a result of prayer and consecration. Come on. Prayer and consecration. There have been many revivals without great preaching. There have been revivals without very much organization. There have been revivals that didn't have good worship music. There have been revivals that didn't have any planning, amen. But there has never been a true move of God without prayer and consecration. Even Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 happened after a week-long prayer meeting. Look at Azusa as another example of this. The Azusa Street Revival of over 100 years ago that gave birth to our modern Pentecostal and charismatic movements of today. It took place in Los Angeles in a broken-down old Methodist church. And by the way, when you hear me use the terms Pentecostal or charismatic, I'm not talking about denominations, amen. I'm talking about the moving of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Everybody know what I'm talking about, amen. I'm not talking about a denomination. But Azusa Street, they had a powerful move of God. It was in this old industrial part of Los Angeles. It was near a tombstone shop. There were some stables close by. There was a lumber yard nearby. There was nothing beautiful about the building. But yet, the sovereign move of God, hundreds of people began to jam into this small building and to overflow into the streets outside just to be touched by this sovereign, special move of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, the local press began to come. The L.A. Times began to write articles. And some of the articles were good, but most of them were not flattering. They began to ridicule the prayer of the people, the exuberant worship, the, the uh, extemporaneous uh, sound, and the loud and demonstrative expressions of praise. They began to mock the people for speaking in tongues, which was relatively unknown at that time. But the negative publicity only made people more curious. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you, if you light a fire, people are going to come to watch it burn. Amen? Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, the local press began to give way to national press. And when it began to hit the national press, people began to go to Azusa 
not only from Los Angeles, but from all over the world. And what began as a small group of people seeking the face of God eventually multiplied tens of thousands of people from around the world over the next decade would come to this revival that in the initial days ran nonstop, day and night, prayer meeting and church services for three solid years without a break. Historians would later describe the Azusa Street Revival not only as giving birth to modern Pentecostalism, but it was the most significant revival of the 20th century in terms of world evangelism. There were no superstars in this revival. There wasn't a great worship team that was putting out albums, amen. You could not make a playlist of the Azusa Street singers. Their pastor was not known for great preaching, William Seymour, their pastor, was known most of the time you could find him in church with his head inside of the pulpit, praying and interceding for a move of the power of God. Now, as great as Azusa was, I read the words of a prophecy this week. And I want to talk about this. I'm not going to preach much longer today. I read the words of a prophecy this week that was given during the Azusa revival. And it convicted me. And it spoke to me. It was a prophecy that was given at some unknown point by some unknown person. And I love that we don't know who said it and we don't know exactly when they said it. But it was a prophecy of warning to the future church. Remember, it was given probably 100, realistically, maybe 115 years ago. When I read the word of this prophecy from 100 years ago about the future church, it shook me. Here's what it said, and this was the words of the prophecy, and I quote, In the last days, three things will happen in the great Pentecostal movement. There will be an overemphasis on power rather than on righteousness. There will be an overemphasis on the gifts of the Spirit rather than on the Lordship of Christ. There will be an overemphasis on praise to a God we no longer pray to. Oh, when I read those words, it began to shake me, and I immediately began to take inventory of my life, and I immediately began to take inventory of Life Church, and I immediately began to look at the body of Christ as a whole, and I began to ask God, could this be indicative of where the body of Christ is as a whole today? Could it be that we are seeing this played out on a weekly basis in our modern Christian experience? And before you discount it, let me rephrase, let me tell you what this prophecy said again. The first part said there would be a focus on power, but not on righteousness. Can I pastor for a little bit right now? Come on, we want the power of God, but we think it can come without consecration. Come on. We want a demonstration of God, but we think it can come without holy living. Come on, somebody. I want to talk to us here today. Christians, we need a revival of righteousness. Come on, we need a renewed call to holiness. 1 Peter 2 and 9 said you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's peculiar people. We need to renew our commitment to righteousness, our commitment to holiness. We've got to break away from some of our addictions. We've got to tear away from some of our temptations. Can I just say it? We need to quit blaming the devil on everything that we struggle with and recognize your greatest enemy is not the devil. It's your flesh. Hallelujah. Come on, the devil don't have no power over me. You know who I struggle with? I struggle with me. I struggle with my pride. I struggle with my lust. I struggle with my attitude. I struggle with my my ego. Come on. The devil is a liar. Amen. Everybody say holiness. We don't even hear that word in church anymore. Righteousness. Sanctification. Hallelujah. It's not just how you look. It's not just how you dress. It's who you are. It's how you live. It's how you talk. It's how you treat other people. Come on, somebody. Righteousness. Somebody 
in a pew in Azusa Street said, one day the church is going to want power more than they want righteousness, more than they want holiness. We need a revival of holiness, a revival of sanctification, a revival of purity. In our walk. I didn't say perfection. I said purity. Amen. In our walk with God. The second part of that prophecy said people will be focusing on the gifts but not focusing on the lordship of Christ and who he really is. Come on. I think sometimes we get so focused on the gifts of the spirit or the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit. Or, or what gift do I operate in? Or what, why isn't this happening in the church? And why isn't that? Instead of, back up a minute, what does the lordship of Christ look like in your life? Oh, come on, somebody. I know you confessed him as your savior. I know you repented of your sins. I know you spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. But is he really Lord? Of your life. Or is he just Lord of your lips? See, is he really Lord of my life? Because when he's Lord of my life, he influences every decision that I make. Every step that I take. He influences my marriage. He influences my influence with my children. He influences how I conduct myself on the job. He influences my finances. He influences every decision I make. The Lordship of Christ. Folks, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. I want this gift. I want that gift. I want to see this happen. No, no. Why don't you just stop and say, be Lord of my life. But I also think that prophecy had a dual meaning. I think we have forgotten the power of the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I think we've diluted the message of the mighty God in Christ. Amen. The Bible says all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. Come on, I need a little help in the house right now. When you say Jesus, you've said it all. Hallelujah. He's Lord of our lives. Every time somebody goes to the waters of baptism, we celebrate his lordship. Come on, every time you pray a prayer in his name, we're celebrating his lordship. Every time somebody repents of their sins and says, Jesus, I want you as my lord, we are celebrating his lordship. And the third part of that prophecy, and maybe the one that I think is most indicative of the modern day church. Are you ready? There will be an overemphasis on praise to a God they no longer pray to. (sighs) An overemphasis on praise, which we all love, right? But a lack of prayer and a personal relationship with a God that we no longer talk to. We sing about him, but we forget to sing to him. We lift our hands to him on Sunday, but we don't bow our knee to him on Monday. Come on. We sing with the body, but we don't pray individually. Now, come on. I'm not here to guilt anybody right now. I'm not talking about you got to get up at 5 a.m. and set the clock for 60 minutes and pray. Amen. I'm not telling you you got to put it, but I'm talking about a relationship. And overemphasis on praise to a God we no longer pray to. See, we don't always take the time to know him on a one-on-one level. And let me tell you something that I firmly believe. If the only time you talk to the Lord is when you're singing your praise on Sunday morning, you are missing out on a vital connection in your walk with Jesus. And I'm going to say this. There has been no easier time to enjoy praise and worship than today. And there's probably been no harder time to be committed to prayer than today. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Let's talk about praise and worship. We have access to thousands and thousands of songs on our phones and on the internet. Amen. We have access today in 2024 to better quality music than there has ever been. Their Christian and worship music now is second to none. 
We've got the best producers. We've got the best musicians. We've got the best songwriters. We sing them in the greatest studios. Come on. You do not have to. Christian music has not taken a second place at all. Amen? See, I'm old enough to remember the worship wars. When contemporary Christian music just kind of got on the scene. I remember going to youth meetings and hearing preachers preach about how bad that Christian rock music was. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, thank God for Christian rock music when this old boy got in church. I'm glad that I had David and the Giants to take place of ACDC when I was 16 years old. I'm glad that I had Petra music I could listen to when I got rid of my Black Sabbath albums. Come on, somebody. Christian music made a difference in my life. And now, man, we're inundated with it. I just, just to prove a point, I pulled out my playlist on my phone this morning. And this is just a small sampling. And I just pulled it out and I wrote down what some of the playlists are on my phone. Amen. Right at the top, I have African gospel. Now, you might think, what is that? I found me some amazing praise and worship music when I was in Ghana. Amen. Yeah. Woo! Man, there's some African brothers down there that can put Maverick City to shame. <laughs> you think I'm joking? Amen. I was in the lobby of the hotel that I was in in Ghana, and they started playing the most powerful, beautiful worship music. And I got my praise on right in the restaurant. And I asked the lady, I said, what is, she said, well, the owners of this hotel are Christians. I said, man, you ain't got to tell me. <laughs> Amen. Here's my play, here's just sample for my playlist. African Gospel. Andre Crouch Essentials. <laughs> Come on, over 50 crowd, hallelujah. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place. My Lord, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power. I've got Bethel Music Essentials. I've got C.C. Winans Essentials. I've got Crowder Essentials when I'm feeling some kind of way, amen. I've got Elevation Essentials. I've got Gaither Vocal. Yeah, I get down with Gaither and Maverick City, amen. I got Hezekiah Walker Essentials. I've got, yeah, praise God for Brother Hezekiah. I got Hillsong Kids, Hillsong Young and Free, Hillsong Essentials, amen. I got Jesus Culture Essentials. I got Lauren Daigle Essentials. I've got Maverick City Essentials. I can just go on and on and on and on and on. And then I've got several custom playlists where I drop my Imperials in there and my David and the Giants in there. Come on, I even got a couple Jimmy Swagger songs in there. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't bust on old school Jimmy. My boy can bring it, amen? And those songs just usher me right in. I stole one of Robin's prayer playlists and I've got that on there too when I want to feel really spiritual. <laughs> what am I trying to say? The opportunities for praise are endless. Everybody say praise. praise. But the challenge of so many distractions in 2024 have caused us to be a generation that no longer prays. So many social media platforms, and I'm on some of them, but we've got so many things to distract us now. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, X, formerly known as Twitter. We've got entertainment apps like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney and YouTube, amen. We've got all these things. We work jobs for 40 to 50 hours a week. Some of you are working two jobs just to make ends meet. And then we go to bed tired at night and we say, I haven't had time to pray. But I had time to surf Facebook for 90 minutes. And I had time to watch a docu-series on the murderer of the month on Netflix. And I had time to get in a Twitter war with some dingbat I don't even know. And we went back and forth for 25 minutes. But I have had no time to bend the knee. I've had no time to talk to Jesus. I've had no time to work him in. A generation that praises but doesn't pray. We need a revival of relationship. We need a revival of connecting one-on-one with Jesus. Not just when the band and the praise singers are playing. Man, I love that. I love those four songs. I love that opportunity to connect. Sometimes Robin has to elbow me on Sunday and tell me, you got to go up there now. And I run up there, amen. 
Because I get lost in it. But you know what does me more good than that 25-minute worship set? Is 10 minutes in the morning. Saying, Lord, order my steps today. Jesus created me a clean heart. Lord, help me look for an opportunity to say something nice to someone today. God, help me to have a good attitude because I'm already feeling some kind of way and I ain't even started yet. Help me, Lord. Come on, anybody else been there, right? Come on, you wake up, you already know. You already know and you already know I got to take responsibility and I need to change the course of this day. Amen. One time, I was, I'm just sharing this. One time I, I was really getting, there was a couple things you might not believe in that sometimes stuff in the church aggravates me. And I remember, uh, and, and by the way, every time you see me on my phone, I'm not making a list of stuff that aggravates me. Sometimes I'm thinking of other stuff. But I remember one time I was just frustrated with some different stuff. And I, was, and I was talking to the Lord about it. I always talk to Rodney about it too. But I was talking to the Lord about it. You know what he said? He said, be careful that you don't have, because I brag about having a critical eye, right? The Lord said, be careful that your critical eye doesn't turn into a critical spirit. Ouch! But I'm telling you, when Jesus talks, I listen. I said, ooh, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. See, if you'll pray, God will talk to you. If you'll talk to him, just like you talk to other people. You don't have to use the King James English. You don't have to set the timer. You don't have to follow. There's all kinds of models of prayer. Just talk to Jesus. Revival cleanses our hearts. Our carnal nature is purged. The old dead roots and branches of sin are once again clipped away from our hearts. The spiritual heart of a man or a woman is renewed and we give room for growth when revival comes. Revival changes our attitudes, amen? Come on, when a man's attitude or a woman's attitude becomes distressed or diseased, how many of you know your entire life is affected? Everything is affected. There's a unique relationship between our attitudes and our actions. Amen. Wrong attitudes produce wrong actions. A right attitude produces right actions. What did the Bible say? Proverbs 23 and 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If your attitude is suffering, you know what you need? A revival. You need a revival. A revival atmosphere will cause Christians to respond with healthy Repentant attitudes toward God and others. Revival will motivate you towards spiritual growth. Revival will change every part of your life. I want you to stand with me. Praise team, you musicians, come on up. I'm going to wrap this thing up. My Lord, about drown myself just now. Jordan, I didn't tell you. Let's do more than Abel. I gave you Elmer Town's nine faces of revival earlier. I want to personalize those faces right now. Can I do that? What revival do you personally need? Do you need a repentance revival? I thought repentance was just for sinners. No, 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 no. Repentance is for saints and sinners. Matter of fact, I'm just going to say this. If you don't keep repenting as a saint, pretty soon you're going to be a sinner again. Hallelujah. That's right. You need a soul cleansing. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Do you need an evangelism revival? Maybe you've not yet taken that step to repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord of your life. Maybe you've not yet been baptized. You've not yet received the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you're going to be baptized, feel free to go right now. Go on and go over there and get ready. And maybe you weren't planning on being baptized before I made the announcement. You can still do it right now. Going over there. Hallelujah. Look at all these folks getting ready. Amen. Maybe it's time for you to bend the knee and start your walk with Jesus. Do you need a worship revival? Can I just challenge you? Is your praise and worship anemic and apathetic in light of all that God has done for you? I want to challenge your thinking just for a minute. Well, that's not my personality. I want you to stretch beyond your personality. Because if your personality will not allow you to lift your hands, you are bound. You need to be able to lift your hands and surrender. You don't have to jump all around. You don't have to be like anybody. But you need to be free. 
free. I'm going to say it again. If you cannot lift your hands, there's something binding you in your life. There's a stronghold that you need to tear down. If you're, you might have to just go from this to this. That's all right. A worship revival. Do you need a deeper life revival? A renewal of the Holy Spirit if you're a believer? Or maybe a baptism of the Holy Spirit if you've never received it? It can happen before this revival is over, before this day is over. Do you need a spiritual warfare revival? Do you need to pull down some strongholds of the enemy? Or maybe stop allowing the devil and his demons to fight against you? Can I just say that? I already said it before. we got to stop giving the devil so much props. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Can I tell you something else? You get what you focus on and talk about. I don't know why I'm saying this. If all you ever do is talk about witchcraft and curses and generational spirits and all this nonsense, guess what you're going to deal with? Witchcraft, generational spirits, curses. Come on. When God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Woohoo! Come on now. He set me free. Now I still deal with junk. But that's what repentance is all about. That's what renewal is all about. Do you need a Holy Spirit revival? Do you want to see the gifts at work in your life? Manifestations of the Spirit in your life? Do you need a reconciliation revival? That removes barriers between you and other people in your life. Come on, can I just say this again in love? You cannot be okay with bitterness in your life. I'm not saying it's an easy battle to fight. But as a believer, you cannot be okay being bitter in your heart because it holds you hostage, not the person you're bitter at. you got to work through that. That might be something you take to the altar every day of your life. But you have to say, Lord, help me to not be bitter. Help me to reconcile. Do you need a liberation revival? Freedom from personal bondage to sin and temptations and addictions that will not leave you alone. Come on, some of you, hear me. You've been battling addictions. Maybe you've been battling with tobacco or alcohol or pornography, amen. Or maybe with lustful or angry thoughts, you can be set free. God can liberate you. And finally, do you need a prayer revival? Lord, I worship you on Sunday, and you know I love you, and occasionally I pray. I'm just going to tell you something. You may not agree. This is my feelings. You are better off praying five minutes a day than one time once a week an hour. You're better praying 10 minutes a day than having one prayer meeting every Saturday for 90 minutes. Daily my kids will tell you I know I drive them crazy but that's okay that's what dads do I call my kids every single day even if it's just for a few minutes I try to tell my grandkids goodnight every night on FaceTime I don't always get to do it but I try yes they only live eight minutes down the road but guess what in communication I think will be the key to having a good relationship with my kids and my grandkids and when I'm long gone they're going to remember man do you remember I sure would love to have one of those FaceTime calls right now relationship so here we are we're in the middle of this special season of revival and I want to ask you do you need to come and repent do you need to come and commit your life to Jesus do you need a renewal of worship and praise do you need a deeper spiritual walk do you need to fight the enemy in spiritual warfare do you need a Holy Spirit demonstration in your life? Do you need to be reconciled with someone or at least get bitterness under control in your life? Do you need to be liberated from some uh, oppressive sin that keeps recurring in your life? Do you need a revival of prayer and consecration and holiness? I'm going to open up this altar right now. Tony likes to go, one, two, three, come. I'm just going to open this altar right now. And I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are. And as our praise team begins to sing, I want you to recognize that revival is not just something that Life Church is doing. Revival is something that you need to do right now in your life. Now, we're going to pause occasionally throughout this worship set while people are getting baptized, and we're going to rejoice with them. But right now, I want you to step out from where you are, and I want you to begin to move to this front. 
And I want you to begin to lift your hands and begin to call out to God and say, Lord, help me right now. Come on, help me right now. of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins.
Y'all look at this family, amen. Come on, God is good, hallelujah. Don't you love that we let the families take part in the baptisms here? Jonathan Martin, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. Yes, come on, hallelujah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. switch gears a little bit. Come on. Unstoppable God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on up. Amen. We got another family. Here we go. Yes. Here, I'll baptize her if you can't reach her. Yes. I want in on this too. Amen. you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There you go. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus.
Micah, upon the profession of your faith, obedience to Jesus, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Christian Lusk, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to Jesus, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Here, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to Jesus, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. son's been talking to him for weeks about wanting to get baptized and he just got baptized today and what a beautiful 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 you remember mike they're one of our missions partners the river city inclusive gym that's mike that's his son let's give god praise for that amen hallelujah is that it anybody else before we go Davina, come on up. Dean is going to close us out with our final act of worship. But why don't we give God some praise together before we do that. Amen? Praise God. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.